Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there. Yes, we are here again. These Mondays roll around in a hurry, don't they, Richard? I think that says something about our advancing years, Linda. I remember when a week was a really, really long time. I guess that's right. It could also have something to do with the season. There's so much to do in such a short amount of time. By the way, that's another thing that rolls around unbelievably often is Uh, Christmas. Don't you remember when you were a little kid? It was like an eternity from Christmas to Christmas. And now it seems like we just get done and we turn around and there it is again. We just take the tree down and somebody's saying it's time to put it back up. Yep. However... Having said that, this is one year when we are not even, I, I, it's almost sacrilegious, Linda. Almost, I, yeah. I almost feel guilty. We are not putting up our tree. We have this 21-foot enormous tree that goes up in a very tall room we have, and it takes two men to put it up. <laughs> And we just decided this year not to do it, but we have a very, very good reason. We do. And the reason is grandbabies. That's the only reason, I think, that we wouldn't put up a Christmas tree, because we're just going to be gone. We're leaving next week to meet our new little grandson that was just born since the radio show last week. Um, He has this tiny little beautiful mother, and he pops, well, not pops in, but he emerges into the world at 9 pounds 8 ounces Oh, doesn't that make you just take a deep breath? It does, that poor (laughs) girl. I mean, also with one arm above his head, like Superman, like, here I come to save the world. Oh, my gosh. So his dad sent a little blog and included a picture of Superman with one arm. If you recall, that's how Superman flies, one arm out above his head. And that's how this little guy entered the world, this little Bennett Richard Iyer, we already happen to have the name, but I hasten to add there's another little Iyer coming, and he's coming in New York City any day now, so we are packing up and moving out, and we're going to have our Christmas with the new babies, and can you think of a better Christmas present for a couple of old grandparents than two new grandbabies for Christmas. What what some cute little Christmas bundles they are going to be. A couple of old grandparents? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm not an old grandparent. I'm a young grandparent. We're, you're an extremely young grandparent. People will, people will not believe Linda is a grandparent. Oh, oh yeah. No, no, no. I wasn't fishing for that. But They sometimes think I'm her father. So, yeah, you know, you for get sure. The, you get the picture, listeners. If, <laughs> if this were television instead of radio... I would not need to even argue my point. Well, anyway, we are so thrilled. Um, This couple in New York City have such an interesting background. Um, She had been working there for 10 years for Donna Karen. This is our son and daughter-in-law. Son and daughter-in-law. And our son had been working in New York for several years, and they just got so tired of their jobs. She'd worked for Prada before that, and I said, did you see the Devil Wears Prada? Is it really that bad? And she looked at me and said, Oh, worse. Oh, shoot, this is horrible. Anyway, so needless to say, she was tired of that and just the whole rat race of New York City. So they they retired from their jobs, both of them, and went on a nine-month um, humanitarian honeymoon. They went to Mozambique for 
let's see, three or four months, and they went to India for three or four months, and they traveled for three months, and honestly, they had the time of their lives. Now, let's, let me cut you off, Linda. You're going to get started bragging about your kids, and we're, the show's going to be over before we get to our subject. But you have the <laughs> right. You have the right to do that. Now, let me make that clear, parents. We all have the right to brag about our kids. And when we do, other parents who are listening should always understand that the parent who's talking is just picking out the good things and not revealing some of the bad. And and not to, I'm not going to reveal any bad things about our kids, Linda, don't worry. But I will say it's very hard for parents oftentimes to have a discussion with other parents without having a little insecurity and saying, well, how come their kids are all so perfect and mine have so many problems? I know, that's true. That is true. And and when you hear about parents that have, you know, such successful kids and so on, and they don't tell you about the meltdowns like we had last night from our 25-year-old who is changing jobs, changing cities, has no car, I was taking the GRE, you know, all those things that are really hard. And then she fell down the stairs while she was talking to us. So she really had a hard day. <laughs> but, she was, but she was okay. But here's a little tip for you, uh, parents. Anytime you get uh, around a, a parent, another parent who's being a little excessive in his or her bragging about his son or daughter, you say this to them. You say, uh, excuse me. But God must not have thought too much of you as a parent, sending you all those easy kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I mean, we all know that kids are tough, and that's, after all, that's why we're talking to you on the radio. That's why we spend so much of our time on airplanes, going to different parts of the world, trying to encourage parents to do the best they can, not to not to work miracles, but to just do the best they can with what they've been given. Absolutely. And, and you know, you've got to remember, and we've said this before, I think, on the radio uh, with that same story, that if you do have a really difficult one, if you're tearing out your hair thinking, how am I going to survive one more day with this child, you can turn that little thing around that Richard just said and, and just say to yourself, you know, God must have thought quite a lot of me to send me this really difficult <laughs> kid. He thought I knew what to do now. i got to figure it out. Now, so, is, now, now with, that, with that sort of, that, would you call that an introduction, Linda? Sure. With that introduction, let us express something we've never mentioned on this show before, and I think it will lead to a a fun uh, discussion that we want to have with you parents today. And that is, Linda and I actually have a kind of a mission statement for ourselves as we go out and write our parenting books and travel around um, speaking to parents in other parts of the country and all over the world. And we say it to ourselves occasionally to remind us of what we're really trying to do because Sometimes it's not easy, and sometimes we get questions we can't answer, and sometimes we feel almost, uh, if we were really brutally honest, a little bit hypocritical. Not really hypocritical, but a little like, why should we be thought of as experts in parenting when, in fact, what we're all trying to do is just get through the struggles and become experts with our own children, and we might have become a little bit expert with some of our own kids, but each of you parents need to become experts with your own kids. But anyway, our our little mission statement uh, uh, uses a lot of um, 
alliteration, if you'll forgive it, and it goes like this. Fortify families by celebrating commitment, popularizing parenting, validating values, and bolstering balance. We remind ourselves of that quite a bit, don't we, Linda, because we're not... We're, what we're not doing is out there preaching and saying we have all the answers and we know how to parent better than you or any anything like that at all. What we're trying to do is to say if we can celebrate commitment a little more, if we can just take our hats off to husbands and wives who are committed to each other and who always will be and who really take their marriage vows seriously. And who actually have had a really hard time doing that. I mean, some right. some marriages, are it's, it's easy to make a commitment because you're pretty much uh, same personalities, you flow along, you agree on things and so on. And then there's our kind of marriage where <laughs> there's an argument every other day about the way things should be done and <laughs> how we should do hold things. It, hold it. <laughs> but we are absolutely committed. I'm sure you felt the same as I have, thinking sometimes, man, I don't know if I can go on like this. This is this is crazy. I'm married to a crazy person. Well, and, the, you know, before we get too far off on marriage, though, let me just let me just we're finish not on my little we're on disclaimer. Well, yeah. yeah, I want to finish my disclaimer that we're, we're either on this radio show or in speaking or anything else we do. We're not trying to to be experts. What we're trying to do is, like I say, fortify families through number one, celebrating commitment, just cheering cheering marriage partners on who are doing their best. Two, popularize parenting, not to say, hey, you got to do it this way or that way, but just reminding us and other parents that it's the most important thing we do. It's a popular, it's a wonderful thing to do. It's it's something you want to do. And then third and fourth to validate values. We, we just want to remind parents that there are a majority still in this world that have good family-oriented uh, values and to never cave in to those forces that try to suggest that our values are old-fashioned. And finally, number four, just to bolster balance, to sort of pat on the back parents who are trying so hard to be good parents and run their families and also have, be good at their jobs and also do their church calling. And, and, and maybe they're a little overloaded, but, you know, we love them for trying to find that balance. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to a couple of steps, you know, when you talk about popularizing parenting, we have to, we have to remember that we're having fun. It isn't just drudgery every day. I mean, there there are a lot of days when I woke up and thought, oh, how am I going to survive this day when we had four or five carpools and crazy stuff going on? But parenting is really the most fun thing you'll ever do. It's, you're nurturing somebody that is going to be somebody really interesting. Sometimes they're too interesting, but, um, <laughs> you know, you really do have to think about that. And, you know, each one of them has something that you have to just recommit yourself to as you go through life in, in parenting your children. Absolutely. And uh, and so I'm just going to repeat that one more time before we uh, go to the break. Um, and, and, and we hope all of you will kind of, who listen to this show regularly especially, will kind of feel like you're a part of this. And, and what what... What more important goal could there be than all of us working together to try to fortify families, 
by celebrating commitment, by popularizing parenting, by bolstering balance, and by validating values. This is a world that's in a lot of turmoil in a lot of different ways. And if you really want to get depressed, just go watch an all-news channel for about 24 hours, and you'll wonder whether there's any tomorrow for our society or for any society on this earth. But the real answers lie in stronger families and in parents like you and hopefully us who are committed to our children and our marriages as our first priority. And let me just say that bolstering balance is pretty tough at this time of year. (laughs) Um, It's a little easier for us now that our kids are gone, but now we've got to mail or see that everybody's taken care of because they've all gone. We have one family close enough to come to Sunday dinner if they have an extra hour or two to get here. But it really is so important to think about balancing the season a little bit because we get so out of balance. I think especially moms who feel so stressed out with all the commitments they, that they have with their children, but with food, with family, extended family. And so we'll come back and talk about that in the second half. Again, Richard and Linda Iyer, Iyer's on the road. Um, Linda reminded me during the break that we promised last week that this week we would talk a little more about debt, that ominous, ominous threatener of families called debt, D-E-B-T. Especially at this time of year, we're so tempted to get over our heads in debt again. But I think, and Linda, I think came up with this idea right before the break. We will we will push that back a week or two. That might be a little better topic for early in the new year when we're making resolutions or maybe <laughs> late this year. Way too far into yeah, <laughs> you get so go so go ahead, parents. Go into debt until we talk to you right before <laughs> the new year. No, seriously, I think what's on everyone's mind now is Christmas and you hit it on the nail, Linda, when you said how in the world are we going to survive this crazy season, and how can we simplify Christmas? You know, it really is so important. I remember just dreading Christmas coming around with nine little kids and their lists and so on. It was so hard to keep up with everything. And then, you know, we've come now around again to hard times. I mean, there are a lot of people dealing with recessions with it being without houses, living in your parents' basement, you know, whatever it is that, or you might be the parent with the child living in the basement with four or five kids. And it really, there's there's some hard times, and there are really ways to simplify Christmas. Now, some moms... And, and let me would, just interject, Linda. It, it occurs to me that even though we're not going to do our big half hour on debt until maybe a week or two from now, there there really is a lot of tie-in because whether you are a, a person who's out of work and maybe living temporarily in your parents' basement, as you said, Linda, or whether you're someone who, who you know, seems to be doing fairly well at the moment in your career, isn't it an interesting thing how sort of wants sort of expand to fill the current reality? In other words, you know, whether we have a lot or a little, it seems like we're always wanting a little more than what we have and and tempted to go a little beyond 
what we should spend. And the reason I say there's such a connection, honey, and then I apologize for interrupting and I'll shut up, but but it's because, you know, the idea of simplifying Christmas and making it more easy on your nerves and on your stress level just happens to also be the same kind of answer as living within your means and not overspending. Because by buying less stuff and making Christmas simpler economically, guess what? It also gets much simpler in terms of uh, our, our daily hassle. Yeah, it really does. In fact, we have a daughter who's son whose husband is out of work and uh, they are wonderful at conserving and they eat lots of rice and beans and there's homemade stuff there all the time and they're doing so well with that but when it comes to Christmas they just I was Christmas shopping with her last week and that's where we've been on the road this week is (laughs) trying to get all of our Christmas shopping done before we leave but um, it really was interesting she said you know (coughs) I we've just been going way too far overboard on Christmas, I mean, I told we told the kids at the outset, at the 1st of November, this is what we're going to do for Christmas. Now, it's still not too late because it's still the 1st of December, but for some of you, maybe the list is already made. But she said, this is what we do, we've done. We've told them they can have it. Santa Claus, obviously, is going to bring one thing to them. To they each can choose of them. one thing to each child. And then the parents will give them a small gift, and each of the grandparents will have a gift. And then we'll have a family game or something that's fun for everyone to do. So she said four gifts that are really nice are plenty for Well, and then I think they do a little drawing and they each give a gift to one of their siblings. Well, I think what this this year what they're going to do, she was just telling me, and I haven't even told you this Uh. yet, and that is they're going to give service to each other. Oh, I see. Uh, I'll clean up your room, you know, or I'll help you with homework without grumbling or whatever because all the money the kids are making and they're darling, they're babysitting, they're doing all that they can too, but they're using that money to pay for their dance lessons and to pay oh, for their ski rentals and things like that that the family really just can't afford this year. Right. So, um yeah, I mean, it depends on how far you want to go, but still, even if you have plenty of money, um I have a darling friend who just told me she's a grandmother, and she said, you know, I just love my grandchildren so much, and at Christmas time, I just really feel like I have to show them how much I love them, and so I I don't go over, but I just get six or seven gifts for each one of them. I mean, she oh. has 14 grandchildren, and she is getting six or seven gifts for each one of them. That is totally bizarre. And she may be doing it more for herself than for those kids. Yeah, and actually she's probably ruining them and at the same time her children are probably grinding their teeth saying, we're trying to be conservative and here you are showering these gifts on our children. Well, and part of it, part of the simplify, one of the benefits of simplifying and getting it down to one or two nice gifts and and maybe, you know, a lot of families... uh, really prize the giving of one child to another and maybe they have different systems for that but it is it is it is something that allows you to turn your focus a little and a little matters away from getting 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 and more towards service and and it's 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 tough to just say to a kid hey we're clamping down this year you're not getting much but it's another thing altogether to say we're going to simplify a little and we're going to spend some of our time and maybe some of our money on giving gifts to people who have very, very little. 
let's go to the homeless shelter, let's go to the yeah. soup kitchen. And, and kids are very responsive to that. They are. In fact, tonight, one of our daughters is having uh, what we call a Children for Children concert. We've done this since our kids were little. We would actually have the neighborhood children come over and just do a little one-minute or two-minute musical number, and then we would charge the parents through the nose. Actually, the parents could just contribute what they wanted, but we started out with trying to help build a school in Bolivia, and in one night we made a lot of money, not enough to build the whole school, but it doesn't take that much to build a cinder block school in Bolivia. But uh, this daughter actually went on her... Uh, mission to uh, uh, she went on a church mission to Bulgaria and she spent a lot of time in the orphanages there and so she saw the tremendous need and she's been back two or three times with a friend who's really running the show but uh, she went back pregnant with twins seven months pregnant with twins she's crazy but anyway she saw these broken out windows with snow coming through and the kids are you know really hungry they're not starving but hungry all the time and so every year they do a little Children for Children concert. So their kids are now old enough to organize the concert. They get on the email. You know, kids are better at it than we are. They get on the Internet and send out messages to all the neighbors and friends and relatives and so on saying, just come over tonight. We're just going to have a program, a short program, no longer than two minutes for each child, and then we'd like you to contribute to the fund for the wonderful job that your child did. So, for this so, so just to clarify that, that means parents come, they pay admission. It's 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 a fairly high admission. I mean, you know, it's not. Well, I think they just contribute. What well, they or want. contribute. Sometimes they'll do it where you pay an admission, but the the money is being paid to the children who perform. Therefore, it's their money, and they, the children, send it to this orphanage in Bulgaria. So children for children, children raising money with their talents to send to children in need. It's really quite a beautiful thing. Yeah, and they, they've they just concentrated so much on that. It just makes it so much better because they feel like they're giving instead of just getting, getting, what you were just saying, Richard. Well, and I should reveal that, uh, you know, uh, the, the, we're, we're talking about the same family in both of these stories. So these kids who are maybe going to have a little more simplified Christmas this year themselves all their time and effort is being taken up, not worrying about why they're not getting more, but worrying about how they can raise this money to send to kids who basically have nothing in a Bulgarian orphanage. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of ways to do that kind of thing. I, we've mentioned a little bit on the show before, one tremendous simplifier is to devote Christmas Eve only to being Christ-centered and to having we like to recommend sort of a nazareth supper where you you dress up in your nativity scene clothes and you basically um have a dinner without light just with candlelight and eating only food that would have been available in nazareth and role play that you're mary's family and tomorrow she and joseph are leaving to go to bethlehem and let the kids ad lib are you worried mary is the donkey okay how far is it? And just get get them into character. And then after after that Jerusalem or Nazareth supper, have the nativity and read from Luke or whatever you normally do. And but the point is making all of Christmas Christmas Eve focused on Christ and perhaps on the giving of gifts child to child or child to parent. So the children are giving. No Santa Claus. 
no gifts for them other than what they get from each other, and just focused on Christ and on giving. Once you've done that and made Christmas Eve that kind of an experience, then, you know, Santa comes and Christmas Day is sort of back to commercialism. (laughs) Right. But it is such a sweet experience. And for those of you listening who have had a tradition of having a huge family dinner the night before, and so on, uh, it's kind of hard to change a tradition. But yesterday, I was in a Sunday school class, and this cute young mother built by me said, you know, she had told everyone, you know, what we're going to do this year is uh, we're going to simplify dinner on Christmas Eve. There's always big turkey and everything. This year, we're just asking everybody to bring something that they would have served in Jerusalem. And, and interestingly, we called this our Jerusalem Supper forever. We always have, and then last year we went, wait, they're leaving from Nazareth. We should really be calling this <laughs> Nazareth dinner. But anyway, it's just Middle Eastern food. It's wonderful food. I mean, everything from fish to hummus to grapes to sparkling cider to, I mean, I don't think they have sparkling cider, but we do add that part. And flatbread. <laughs> that's and, our one concession. That's our one, yeah. I mean, I, they had wine, I know, but that's our, that's our concession to that. But anyway, um, there's cheese. Um, crackers, I'm sure they had that kind of thing. It's just kind of fun thinking what would they have eaten. And then it just simplifies things a lot. It's just so much easier. So, I mean, Fish, you mentioned fish, right? Fish, yeah, which our kids all gagged at for the first couple of years, and then finally they just got used to it. And what kind of fish are we <laughs> having this year? And I got them so that they could at least try fish a little bit. We're having fish from the Sea of Galilee, of course. Of course, you <laughs> dummy. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, um, it's been a delightful experience. And then we did have, as Richard said, have the kids give their gifts to each other on Christmas Eve because they just they spent a long time thinking about it. I mean, a lot of years they went to the dollar store and just got something that they, from money they had earned with their own their, their own selves. But then other years we had to make gifts. I mean, we had a cardboard car made one year that was hysterical. It was so funny and fun to see. This child give it give this car to a sibling who I'm, played with it all year. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Linda. Is there anything greater than? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if kids appreciate getting gifts from their siblings that they've made, but I can tell you, dads do. And I, if I were to go try to find all any Christmas gifts I've saved from my kids over many years, you know what they'd be? There's that one block of a wood. Block of wood. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that somebody had written a painted a heart on. I mean, it was really cute in its own way, and I love the the homemade gifts. So, you know, you want to do that kind of thing, and that simplifies and, and saves on budget and so on. So it's all, it's all about the soft, beautiful, simple things that you remember and that last, and you get as far away, especially on Christmas Eve, from the commercialism as you possibly can. And, you know, you think, oh, I can't do that. We have these traditions, and we have to do We have to do these elaborate bread, gingerbread houses. And maybe you'd love to do that, and you have the money to do it. That's fine. But if you don't, you know, it's just not as hard as you think to simplify it. Like not doing a Christmas tree this year. We didn't put up Christmas lights outside. It saved hours and hours of time that we could use really reading. I actually read a Christmas story to my grandchildren this year on the day we were shopping for them because this daughter wanted to keep it simple. So, it was, you know, it really is so good to just concentrate on the things that really do make a difference. Well, Linda, let's let's be sure no one misunderstands. Linda's not anti-Christmas tree. That would be no, 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 no. As as people that put up a 22-footer every year, but this one, 
<laughs> right, right. We better not say that. And I know that's what not what you were saying, but but. But it, I mean, but, it just made so much difference, and just little yeah, things like yeah. that that you can do. I little mean, trade-offs where you get time yeah. instead of you know. Food, all the time that it all. takes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I just, I, I know some people do these Christmas cookies. They're just fabulous, and it's the biggest event of the year, and that's great. Do it. But if you don't love doing that, and I am just not that much into cookies, we just have never done that, and we haven't missed it. But So you have to balance things according to what kids really love for traditions and, and what is really important. Is, if, again. If, you, if you don't have the tradition of a manger without the baby Jesus in it and putting in a little straw every time someone does something kind so that when the baby goes in on Christmas Eve, it's very soft. That's a great tradition. You've got great traditions. We love Christmas, and we love all of you. And join us next week for another edition of Ayers on the Road. Good luck with your shopping this week. Talk to you next time.